Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins podcast, a podcast that's focused on spreading a message of encouragement, grace, and authenticity with a focus on life, leadership, and service to others. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, James Colburn, who is the author of one of my favorite books, Resucceed, and also an awesome executive coach. Welcome, James. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me out. So excited to be here and uh, be um, in this conversation with you around resistance. And um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, before we get started, will you tell us just a little bit about you? Just a few snippets. Well, I've uh, lived here in the Seattle area since 1993. My wife and I met down in Eugene, Oregon. We're ducks and uh, moved here to um, back up uh, to where she's from in Seattle. And we have three children um, and we live in the Woodenville Bothell area of Seattle. Um, I've been in the real estate industry for years. Um, I oversee a large uh, real estate brand in on the West Coast um, in the franchise area, as well as I do a fair bit of coaching and consulting as well with individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's my short story. Yeah, love it. Well, I have mentioned, as I know you've been listening to the podcast, which thank you so much. I'm grateful for every listener. Um, but I've mentioned your book several times on the podcast because right when I started on this journey of podcasting and leaving my corporate job and and sort of revamping my life a bit, um, I read your book. And it was so thought-provoking for me in terms of just how I move forward in my life and the choices that I'm making um, and some of the limitations I placed on myself. So before we jump into the specific topic of resistance, can you just tell us a little bit about the premise of the book and why you felt called to write it, because I really did get that from you while I was reading it, that that was actually a calling you felt to write that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the book actually came um, out of left field for me a little bit. I was in grad school at the time. I had to write a thesis. I was able to convince the dean of the school to allow me to write a book instead of a thesis. I thought that made a lot more sense than having a thesis that catches dust on a shelf. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wrote this book proposal, which I learned is really how books are started. They, you know, you write a book book proposal for a publisher. You don't write the whole book. Um, you write an idea of the book and maybe a couple sample chapters. And that was literally my thesis. And then I put my book proposal literally on the shelf to cut, catch dust, did nothing with it. A <laughs> couple of years passed by and I realized, um, and that's why I say resistance is such a big part of my book, mm -hmm. because I realized that um, that it was me that was holding myself back from yeah. finishing this book. And yet I really felt like I needed to get it out. The The book title, Resucceed, is this idea that a lot of us spend most of our life imagining that there's something that we're called for, there's something that we're designed for that we haven't yet found. Mm -hmm. But we actually have this kind of nirvana image that once it's found, then like we'll be whole and complete people. And what I realized is that it's not a new brand of success that we need. It's actually right in front of us right now. It's actually, we already possess everything that we need for our re-success if mm -hmm. we just opened our eyes. Mm -hmm. and really what's holding us back is us in that. 
And it's right before us. It's right in front of us. We just have to act upon it. So I really delve into that in the book. And there's this um, uh, practice that I do in the evenings to uh, open up my creative mind and, get, and allow me access to the miraculous through that. So. Well, it was eye-opening for me. And just, um, I mean, there were so many concepts that were eye-opening for me and not necessarily like brand new concepts to me, but things that I had actually not thought that deeply about. So I just really got so much from it. And in my last podcast, I introduced the concept of resistance and shared just some of the ways that I face resistance on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, hearing it in your book and in one of the things I referenced in the last the last podcast is that I just I've experienced this in a lot of different ways and a lot of different things in my whole life, but I've never actually had a word for it. And I'm finding that having a word for it is really helping me identify it. So now when I'm feeling um, that resistance or I feel I can label it being sidetracked or distracted, whatever. It's like, Oh, there it is like high resistance. Okay. I know what this is. So, um, that concept made so much sense to me. And I know you just referenced how resistance was such a big part of the book. In fact, one of the quotes from the book that I love is I have experienced more resistance writing this book than during any other project I have attempted to date. And you sort of go into how that is part of how you knew that this book was a really big deal. Yeah, it's like the the larger the resistance in our life, the more important the, the, the job at hand. And so the, the more we feel, actually, the more we convince ourselves we shouldn't do something, mm-hmm. or the more we convince ourselves we're not, we don't have... I don't know, the chops, I guess, to, to complete something or to do something uh, new and um, uh, approach uh, a, maybe even a tough idea like writing a book or, you know, or starting a new business or even life after children, for example, mm-hmm. just the whole idea of um, that there is a life yeah. <laughs> after children, um, you know, that all that is suffers by our um, uh by one form of resistance or another. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the book for me was just this excruciating process of um, plowing through, even though I wanted to figure out any way possible to not complete it. I wrote the book four times, three times. I pretty much wrote a sentence, then deleted a sentence, then (laughs) wrote another sentence. I kept on proofing my own stuff. And, um, you know, I had this really grand excuse why I should never write a book because I don't know how to write. And the more you read your own writing, you hate it. Right. You know, I mean, you just really you shouldn't read anything you write. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the book was this, you know, this test for me to actually plow through all my areas of resistance around the book. But it ended up transcending into every area of my life. Yeah. um, And illuminating it. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing in particular or one example from the process of writing the book where you faced resistance and then broke through it? Well, I mean, I mean, an an example that a lot of people may resonate with is just that there's certain habits that we have Mm -hmm. uh, in life that we've created to actually keep us numb from doing the very things that we should be doing (laughs) or in in, in particular in answering a call over in our life, like a big thing, Mm -hmm. like, you know, something we should do that uh, as long as we don't do it, we're really, you know, we're really not being true to ourselves, And 
And, and like I mentioned, the more we're resistant, the more that that is the case. And so for me, uh, you know, as I was writing chapters, I would always like go to a I'd go to a, like a bar with Wi-Fi so that I could like <laughs> sounds, have a couple beers and, yeah. and and think more creatively. And yet, you know, um, I would come out, read the chapter the next day that I wrote and hate it and delete it. And so I realized, you know, that there's this little habit of like treating myself right and giving myself a couple beers as like encouragement right. to write another right. chapter was like a good excuse. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it ended up being a form of resistance uh, for me. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, a whole bunch of other things, yeah. but that was one example yeah. of it. I actually have, I think, 26 or seven yeah. examples of resistance activities, mm-hmm. which are sometimes the opposite of each other. So it's mm-hmm. like working out instead of, instead you know, working out instead of, uh, you know, going to the gym, I'm sorry, instead of working or working instead of going to the gym, both can be a form of resistance. Mm -hmm. The one that I learned in, um, uh, I think it might've been, uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, which is where I learned the word. He wrote this book called the war of art. And he talks about how, um, if you're having challenges in your marriage, you know, you, may consider hiring a marriage counselor. When you go to a marriage counselor, sometimes that's a grand excuse. And I, and I like the word grand, the two words grand excuse, because it's actually a grand excuse to not work on your marriage. It's almost like you and your spouse yeah. are saying, Hey, it's the, it's the counselor's job. Right. Now. You're kind of so, handing and, it to someone And so else. like, you don't yeah. even talk about things yeah. that you discovered in the counseling appointment. Yeah. When you get home, you like actually right. ignore each other more. Right. When you get <laughs> Like, you're just like, now that we're in counseling, uh, I'm going to use counseling as a reason not to work on my marriage. Yeah. More. Totally been there and done that. That really rung true for me. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, no, it's actually not the counselor's job, right? Like it's a form of resistance and yet it was valiant. Like I'm a a married couple going to counseling sounds valiant, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you really dig in deep, are you using it as a way to resist the real thing at hand? Well, I thought that was, that was one thing. And I know you just referenced the list of the different forms of resistance that you have in the book. And that was one thing that I found really thought provoking is that um, not everybody feels resistance the same, right? So like what could be positive and good for me is not could be a form of resistance for someone else. So I want to read just a few things from the list. I'm not going to read the whole list because it's long. But just to give people some of the things on the list, some of them surprised me. But the more I thought about it, it was like, oh, yeah, I guess that could be a form of resistance. So drinking, surfing the Internet. Social media, guilty, obsessively tracking your to-do list, exercising instead of working, working instead of exercising, pursuing perfection in any area of your life, reliving past events in your mind, people-pleasing, not forgiving yourself, not forgiving others. And that's just a few of a really long list that you have, but I think that was you know, it really resonated with me, you know, in the book, there's a point where you call resistance tricky and you talk about how it lurks behind, I think is the the term you use, it lurks behind activities that seem positive. And so it can be difficult to identify. And just, it really struck me with some of the things on that list they are, it is unique to each individual in terms of if it's a form of resistance or not. 
And it also sort of made me think societally, if we've gotten in this habit of like really labeling things like very black and white, like something's either good or bad instead of actually asking what it is just for you. Right. Like for me, um, there are a lot of days because I work from home. There are a lot of days where I like, I love to clean the house and I will put on headphones and clean the house. Now that is a good activity. There's nothing wrong with that activity. The issue is that I'm doing it instead of sitting down and like doing my homework for the classes I'm taking, or I'm doing it instead of, you know, walking the dogs or something that I'm putting off. And so I, it just struck me how, you know, someone else's, you know, activity that may be negative for them might be positive for me and vice versa. You and I have a lot in common when it comes to that, because like all clean, like back in the day when I would study in college, I would have to clean like my whole place and especially the desk area, like with Windex and the whole bit before I could start studying. Mm -hmm. And so, and then sometimes I'd run out of time. Uh, It's funny how that would work. Totally cathartic, though, to clean the house. Like, you're mm-hmm. not even thinking about cleaning. You're no. you're busy in another world. So if you think about it, it that's not a bad thing because you're processing, you're thinking, you're formulating. Yeah. But it needs to be constructive. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, when in doubt, I'll clean the house instead of. So the, asking yourself, like, well, in, in the book I mentioned, putting too much in front of things. So mm-hmm. saying, do I do this too much? Um, you know, do, you know. Or putting it at the oh, end, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or asking, you know, what am I doing this instead of? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying go clean the house, mm-hmm. um, but am I doing it uh, at of. the expense? Yeah. yeah, I like that instead of because I think that is true throughout life, right? Like everything that we're doing, we are choosing to do instead of something mm-hmm. else. And so, for me, making sure that I'm focused on the right things for me is really important and I can, I'm a doer and I keep myself pretty busy and that can be a detriment. You know, I, I end up, if I'm not careful and intentional about what I'm doing, I can kind of go off the rails. Right. And on your last day on earth, your house is still going to be only so right. Yes. Like, it's not like you'll hit Nirvana where you don't have to clean anymore. In fact, you don't want to run out of things to clean because then you won't get that space to go off in the la-la land right. and process and formulate things. Yeah. So in a way, it needs to serve you. Yeah, I really like that. Do you spend a lot of time coaching your clients on resistance? Like, is this something truly universal that everybody deals with? Yeah, I mean, what, when you were talking, I was realizing how much, well, the book in general that I wrote, but um, more just, you know, at the point I am in life and in the people that I work with, um, it's really coaching on our relationship with ourselves. So it's not coaching on like how to handle things that are inflicted upon us. Because if you think about it, like the older you get, rarely are things inflicted upon you. Mm-hmm. Like you're inflicting everything on yourself, like including resistance, even how you react to, you know, a negative that has come into your life or a bad situation yeah. really is you inflicting upon yourself the way you're reacting. So it's it, it's really just coaching around our relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I like to get, I like to, you know, for myself certainly, but then those I work with, I like to help 
um, the conversation be about looking at ourselves objectively, almost like we're outside of ourselves for a moment and say, in kind of our conversation around, am I resisting something? Am I doing something instead of? And when we start to realize that we are, all of a sudden the light goes on. Mm -hmm. Once you can label it, once you realize, oh my gosh, that's what I was doing that whole time, was resisting, all of a sudden the light goes on. And little small tweaks in our life can be a huge thing because it's hard to change mm -hmm. like old habits, especially when you get kind of to a point like in my life where it's like, Hey, these habits have kind of served me. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about it, like, you know, I mean, they're, they're not bad. I mean, for the most part, the habits that I have are, are good habits, but they actually are keeping me from the very thing it, at times, keeping me from the very thing I should be doing. Yeah. I think that is such good advice. And do you have certain, um, tricks or like anything that you encourage or coach people to try to beat resistance? Like, do you have them start small? Do you have them, you know, sort of take inventory of their life or what, what are the kinds of things? I know I'm sure there's a lot that goes yeah, into it. I don't, I don't think there's a magic bullet. It's, it's deciding today that we're going to be intentional about the relationship we have, we have with ourselves, period. You know, really where I start is our relationship with ourselves, which I break down into three areas. And these are just the most kind of effective things to talk about. And the first one is, you know, the habits we keep, which I've, I've talked about a little bit. Uh, the second one is over intellectualizing, um, which is, uh, I'll get into in a minute, but you know, it's so, I guess, cool to over intellectualize the older we get, yes. but it actually holds us back. And then number three is just keeping busy or I, I being too busy, if you will, mm -hmm. and how that holds us back. And so all three of those areas seem to be the trend in terms of the, the, the highest likelihood of resistance in yeah. those three areas. The over intellectualizing thing is huge because it's, that's that over planning, over preparing. That's like the planning to plan with never ever executing, right? And as as we all know, if you really think about it, we've all sat around, thought about great ideas, yeah. and we keep on thinking about them and everything it'll take. And by the time we're done, we figured out a, a reason why we should never do it. Like how we just literally yeah. don't have what it takes. We don't, we don't, I don't know how to make a website or I don't, you know, for you, it's like, yeah. I don't know how to produce a, yeah. a podcast or, you know, it's like, I have no idea how to fill in the blank, right? Instead of saying, well, I can just hire that. I mean, there's someone out there that'll do it for, right. you know, a box of junior mints and, a, you know, you know, and a Coke, you know, so it's like, yes. there's, you, it's, there's so many people out there that can help you do things, yes. right? And it's not just for work, it's for anything in our lives, right? Like getting beyond that and calling BS, if you will, on ourselves, yeah. rather than over intellectualizing ourselves from not doing things. I say that it's us showing up physically, mm -hmm. not just emotionally. So yeah. when we just intellectually like uh, piece apart things into, at a, into a point where we no longer want to do them, that is that we leave, that's old news. Yeah. The new us is to show up physically and let the blanks get filled in with our creative mm -hmm. conscious, like which, mm -hmm. which I actually practice a lot of, but also just willing to let it take shape. It's amazing how things show up, resources, yeah. other people, 
opportunities that we never imagined, and we don't let that be the stopping point. And then the third item I mentioned was keeping busy, which we, you know, that's that whole ch checklist, um, uh, checkbox thing. I've got a friend, she might even be listening to this podcast, that loves, loves, loves to have this incredible to-do list. And everything that's in, I think, yellow is still she needs to do. And then everything that's in blue says she did it. And apparently when you put blue over yellow, it like changes color. And so it's just this yes. whole, and so when she's the whole, yeah, when the whole yeah. page is blue, then she knows she's done yeah. and she lives for that. But I, to, when you, she, I, I threw away in my book, I mentioned this, mm -hmm. I literally as a practice threw away my to-do list because I realized I'm a big kid now. Like yeah. I actually know what I need to do. This to-do list is like more like a to remember list or it's more like a list for things I don't want to do, yeah. right? And so I just kind of want to have the freedom. I'm giving myself the freedom to not do them. By getting rid, rid of a to-do list, we I actually start executing on things. It Well, certainly the things that are most important because I don't want to forget them, right? <laughs> if they're written yes. down, I like I have, a, again, a grand excuse to forget them. So I, I like to kind of investigate in those three areas. Yeah. And it's so it's the when the light goes on, when you really, when you realize it, oh, it's one of the habits that I keep that's actually mm -hmm. toxic and keeps me away from the very things that I should be doing or, yeah. you know, over intellectualizing. Oh, like I literally figure out a way to talk myself out of anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, be, you know, it's like uh, when I went back to grad school, a friend of mine said, why should, why you don't even need that? Like, why, why don't you just stay home and play with your kids? Well, all of a sudden, like, you know, how can you argue that? Yes. But then I realized, no, this is, you know, evenings and one weekend a month for a couple of years. I really want to do this. I feel like this is going to open up doors for me, yeah. for me emotionally, like for me intellectually, for me, like in literally physically showing up yeah. all areas of my, my life, I needed to turn the light back on. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I chose to do that. But yeah, I mean, there's a million reasons why I shouldn't. I mean, financially yeah. or, you know, less time with family, you, you, you name it. Right. So that kind of idea. And then, um, and then, you know, over intellectualizing obviously is a huge one um, that we, we just do on a daily basis. So I'd love to use that and then ask, are we doing too much of those things or are we doing those things instead of what we should be doing? I'm assuming that's a really effective way to coach people. Um, I mean, you know, I've coached people for years yeah. more in the human resources yeah. and, and business um, which always sort of segues into life, you know, because I always think that the people that are the most successful have some consistency in their work and their life. Um, but I think your the things that you're talking about sound like such a, um, it's a simple approach. Like every single one of those three things I can identify in my own life. And most people yeah. can, so I think that that probably helps people not feel, um, I don't know, sort of intimidated or fearful of being coached. It's more like, oh, yeah, this relates to my life. And it's a great way to just analyze how you're making choices. And it's funny, as you're talking, I am thinking about some of my own habits. And I am a complete to-do lister. Like, I love a to-do list. And my to-do lists have gotten bigger. So, like, now that I have a lot of different buckets in my life because I've got the podcast and my consulting business and my coaching clients. And then I have like 
personal things to do and a list of friends that I need to connect with. Right. It's like my piece of paper has gotten bigger. That was my solution was not to throw away the list. It actually, like, I'm not kidding. I actually went to a really big piece of paper and I actually divided it into buckets. And I'll tell you what's happened now that I've done that. It's very stressful for me. I look at it every day and it's very stressful for me because I feel like I'm just constantly looking at a massive piece of paper that's calling out all the things that I'm not doing instead of me giving myself grace and recognizing all the things that I am doing. And then you probably cross out a few things that you don't need on the list anymore because you want some space on the list and you want to check something off. Yes. I need some satisfaction. It's like you remove things from your calendar. So there's more white space. Yes. Right. And so it's like, like, you literally are checking things off your list. You didn't do because you say they no longer apply. But they did apply at some point, yeah. right? So it's almost like I'm a big kid now. Yeah. I don't need a list. Now, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a running tap, but yeah. you can, you can ha- there's amazing, like it used to be there was all this like tech out there that we really couldn't trust, that everyone was telling us to trust, mm-hmm. but you really couldn't trust it. Now there's like technology out there that'll actually serve up to you your most important things, mm-hmm. whatever they are, right? Right at the perfect moment. Because it noticed that you got another email from this person or because, you know, you type this certain thing into your calendar. Like there's some tech out there that can omit this. So you don't forget the big things. But the main thing is that you want to empower yourself to actually execute the issues execution. Yes. And and avoiding resistance. Yes. And so what is it holding you back? The to-do list for me was holding me back from execution. I had this beautiful to-do list that I wouldn't execute on because I was fearful of what that yeah. meant. Cause I, cause we're really kind of comfortable where we're at yes. now, actually yeah. like mm-hmm. life's pretty good. Right. But we like, I, I, I mentioned in the book, like just because we're um, an amazing volunteer doesn't mean that that's the only reason why we're put here on earth. Just because we um, are the PTA president at our kid's school doesn't mean that that's the only reason why we're put here on earth. Just, yeah. just because you know, I mean, I know so many people are highly successful in business. That's not your, like, your life is actually bigger than your best accomplishment, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. like, and what if you missed it? What if right? you missed it because you leaned on, hey, I'm just going to debase my life to my biggest accomplishment thus far, which is pretty much living in the past because you're basing it on as something that's already happened. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine once said there's no there's no future in the past. I think that's true. Yeah. Dwelling on the past, even if it's good things, doesn't give you any room for the future. Right. And what It's kind of like living your unlived life. Yeah. I think that's so true. It so resonates with me. Um, so there's another concept in the book. Actually, there's two, two more that I want to touch on before we go. And one of them is endurance. Because resistant I'm finding and and I think the reason it rings true for me is that I would not say that um I'm someone who loves the idea of endurance I I just don't generally like to do things that I'm not already good at I don't really like to do something and know it's going to be a long haul I like instant gratification I like you know, quick and easy. And in the journey that I'm in now, 
there are some things that I am, that I know are going to take endurance, you know, being self-employed, um, this podcast, I love it. It's fun. It takes consistency and endurance, you know, and patience. And, um, even I talk about how I'm back in school. I mean, that is, it's going to be a long call because I'm going to take one class at a time. It's going to take endurance. And so I'm someone who in the past have sort of thought of endurance as something really hard and that I didn't really have. Like I was like, oh, I'm, maybe I'm just weak or I don't like to stick to things. Um, but tell me just quickly, resistance and endurance, like how do those two things go together? Um, you know, the notes I took before I got here today in the car driving over um, was the round, the idea of practicing courage daily. A friend of mine, uh, said that the other day and I realized how powerful that is. So it's not, it's, it's less looking at like the long haul that you have ahead and more of what's, what is the thing you can do to practice courage today? Okay. Whether that means have a conversation with someone at the, you know, Starbucks that you like that you're resisting having a conversation with, but it, they were having a conversation with someone else that seemed really interesting that you could maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah. I've, ha I've had these opportunities yeah. that, um, or even just a, a lot of times it's relational. So it's relational equity. So it's actually um, wanting to say something and not saying something. Mm -hmm. So that's that whole kind of yeah. practice courage thing in our life. But then uh, more than anything, it's the small tweaks. So it's the small little tweaks in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, Tony Robbins mentions that a lot of times we do this like, massive overcorrecting in our life. Yes. So it's like we quit everything bad for a month. We've all done it, right? Yeah. I feel amazing. I'm not drinking. Yeah. I'm not drinking. I'm not eating bread. I'm not eating yeah. sugar. Mm -hmm. I'm only, you know, I'm literally, I'm totally okay mm -hmm. eating salad with no dressing. That'll last about a month. Right. right? I've done and all of those yeah, things. Yeah. And then, days. and and when you're counting the days where you have this mental idea right. that 30 days is good. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, pizza at night, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the governor's but, off. But but yeah. the thing is it's not the it's the not the massive overcorrecting endurance approach, but rather just the little small tweaks. It's the it's the self-talk. It's the changing your language. We were talking earlier about how we make these declarations. I'm not X or right. I, I'm not a public speaker speaker or I'm not, you know, uh, an author or I'm not, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. Like some people might even be listening right now. They're like, well, I'm not mm -hmm. whatever, right? Whatever you've already said in your head yeah. already is the, is the beginning of, of that endurance. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's, it's looking at, you know, the next hour sometimes, right. you know, I jokingly mentioned in my book, like if you want to start exercising um, for life, right, maybe just go to the gym or sit, you know, on your bike and not exercise right. for the first week, just sit just there on the bike. Yeah. And then the second week you're like, well, I'm already here. So, I mean, these are small yeah. tweaks. That's the endurance. I'm already here. So I might as well not even work out yet. I'm yeah. just going to drink water this week. Right. Right. And then like on the third week, you're like, well, I'm here. So I'll watch a show. Cause like the gyms will have the TVs. Yeah. And then by the fourth week, you know, I'm stretching it out, but you, you get what yeah, I'm saying. I do like treat, like this is the long it race. So yeah. make it small tweaks. Yeah. Not, this is the long Not race. So you've got to give up everything good yeah. in your life, including sourdough bread. Yeah. Well, 
I that I can really relate to that. And I know you listened to the last podcast, but yeah. you heard my 2018 goal list. And I've, I've had some people say when they're like, oh, I listened to the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah. Did you think I was crazy? Like when you because I thought I was crazy when I read it again. I was like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? So I love the concept of just knowing that it's a long haul and knowing that incremental steps forward are still steps forward you know, um, and adjusting your expectations around that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, moving ships are easier to steer. So if you're in a boat and you're trying to avoid hitting someone, you have to turn on the boat. You can't just steer away without an engine going, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to be moving in your life. So sometimes just movement, yeah. just simply movement, just movement, not like sometimes driving home a different direction yeah. Is huge. Mm -hmm. Right. Like just to reset. Yeah. Your like brain. shake it up basically yeah. is more the answer to endurance. I love it. I like to shake it up. Um, okay, so the last topic that is sort of off topic, but I it was one of my favorite things I took from the book because it just made me laugh. And it's the term shelf esteem. And it's so funny because the, the first time I read it. And then I was listening to the audio book too. And I was like, I was telling someone about it. And I was like, I think it was shelf development. You know, it was like, and then it was like, oh, there's all these things it could be, you know, shelf help. And I was like, no, it's shelf esteem. And it just made me laugh, but it's actually so true and was really convicting for me. So can you just tell everybody what that is, self-esteem? Well, I learned the I learned the phrase from Chandler Bull. He wrote uh, he's written several books. Um, um, and he he mentions self-esteem because a lot of times we like to hang our hat on again all of our past achievements and what you know what in self-esteem. S-H-E-L-F is really the idea of that, you know, we're only as good as the last book we've read. Mm -hmm. And yet you hear that the, you know, the people we hang out with or the company we keep mm -hmm. and the books we read really, really, you know, either have the chance to elevate us or, you know, pull us down. And I, was, I sat around for years saying, well, I just don't read because if I start reading, I fall asleep. Because I'm that guy. Like, if I have a book in front of me, I'm just going to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And so then I finally uh, started listening to audiobooks yeah. because I didn't fall asleep and I'd be driving for one reason. Um, and so I would just listen to like an entire book on the way to Portland. And then I and then I started coming home, like, tell my wife, like, I read two books. This, yeah. You know, I'm so in, much in the last two days, yeah. <laughs> I've literally read two books. And, you know, and then my wife likes to explain that when you listen to books, you're not really reading them, which... <laughs> actually um technically you're not reading them but you are i'm literally having a conversation with the author the mm -hmm. author is a, typically i love lis listening to books that are narrated by the yeah, author and i didn't I do that too. my books on audio but i didn't do that and i yeah. wish i did because it's so much more authentic mm -hmm. um so much more powerful and i started getting addicted to how many books i could get through and i got i i think i was like up to 75 or almost a hundred books oh a gosh. year on audible. And by the way, I don't have an account like an audible account you or anything. I pay like the big bucks because oh I made gosh. this, because I made this big rule with myself that if I literally can't afford an audiobook, because for the longest time I was like, well, audiobooks are more expensive. So I'm not going to buy them. Right. But I'm like, but if you're not going to read a book and then you buy an audiobook and you read an audiobook mm -hmm. like by listening to it, then again, there's a form of resistance. You're saying, 
hey, $30 for a book that you can buy for 20. Uh, well, yeah, James, but you're not going to actually, right. this is that whole relationship with self, right? Like uh, you're not going to read. Yes. So you better start listening. So I got up to like a hundred books a year and I, my entire esteem was wrapped up in every book I read. Yeah. Like I, and people, and there's nothing worse than someone that's attributing the author in every conversation. Yeah. And that's what I became. So I mentioned shelf yeah. esteem as that, but we do this uh we do this with people we know, yeah. with our achievements, like I said in the past, the books, the movies we've watched, right? The podcast. You know, the, the podcast. Yes. Totally, I, right? Yeah. Like podcasts I've mm -hmm. listened to. And but it's so powerful because for me, retention goes up out, out, out the roof when I can actually hear it. I don't yeah. know why. It's just the way I yeah. learn. And so it's but it's not assigning our identity to the things that right. we've read. It's more like just taking them as valuable without wrapping our yeah. entire identity up into it, which by the way, comes back to everything else. Like yeah. we're so wrapped up in assigning our identity to past achievements, for example, that we forget that there's an unlived life out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things it made me think of is just how, you know, it, because I'm someone who does listen to, a ton of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I love audiobooks. I am a consumer for sure. And a lot of it, most of it is around creativity, self-development, all of those things that I love. But what this, what that term made me think of was I can't just consume. I can't just take this knowledge. I actually have to put it out. Like if I'm just taking it for myself, and I'm just building up myself based on what I'm consuming, what good am I doing everybody else in yeah. the world? Like, am I actually taking action or am I just reading through these books as yeah. fast as I can? Yeah. And I love everyone. It's like, yes, yes, that resonates. Yes, I love it. And then it's like, wait a second, I'm not actually putting this into action. Yeah. And so that reading your book sort of made me slow down on that. Right, right. You reminded me actually. Yeah. So it's the whole idea of like, one one thousand to one thousand yes. after you've read it, like yes, to implement you say into that your in life. Book. Yes, yes, <laughs> and I love that because it's like, oh yeah, right. Like, right. what good is all this consuming? I'm just being a taker right. if yes. I'm not yeah. actually and not giving. Yeah, yeah and not, not contributing. Yeah. So there's no practical sharing. Mm -hmm. There's no like put it to practice. Yes, I love that. Or you take notes on the entire book, right? Right. Which if you take the notes on anything, any any you know, conference you go to, any book you read, anything. If someone's taking uh, no, copious notes right now, you're never going to go back to those notes. But if you say, I'm going to write down the three biggest aha moments of this podcast and put those things to practice, the things that really resonated, all of a sudden it becomes practical yes. working stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm so excited that you were willing to come and talk yeah, with absolutely. us today. Now, as you know, we always end with a quote. Do you happen to have a quote you want to share with our listeners? I do. So Miriam Williamson wrote this really huge quote. I'm not going to read the whole thing because that would be painful. But um, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. And there's more. But the, yeah, that quote was so that. powerful yeah. um, for me in realizing 
am I playing small mm -hmm. is the big question. So that's that relationship with self, that question of, yeah. am I playing small here? Mm -hmm. And as long as the answer is yes, then there's work to be done. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate it. I love that quote. I think it's inspirational and um, as is your book. And so I hope everybody goes out and reads Resucceed. And James, if they want to connect with you, how can they find you? Well, they can find me at James Colburn, C-O-L-B as in boy, U-R-N.net. Okay. Or you can find the book in all three forms, Kindle, audio, of course, and paperback uh, on Amazon. And uh, that, that should work. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this um, this podcast. It was certainly fun to record, and I feel like it's the longest one I've ever done. I feel like James and I could have gone on and talked about so many more things. Sorry um, about that. No, I love it. No, it's so great. I love it. Um, so, But don't forget to like, share, or review this podcast, and I hope that you'll all tune in next time. We've got a big summer. We're going to start digging into topics like resilience, self-development, and shame. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace.